Carly. Welcome back to the 2000s called a podcast where I revisit iconic movies and music from the 2000s. Um, I want to shout out to Caroline and Julia for your awesome suggestions this week. You reminded me of movies I had fucking forgotten about or had not considered. So we might have to do a bonus episode. I have this whole season planned out. I have all the movies. I have all the music chosen, but they brought up some very good choices that I will need to touch on. But this week we're going over Cadet Kelly, which was a made-for-TV Disney Channel movie that came out in 2002. It's an hour and 40 minutes. It has a score of 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. It probably has even less than that on, like, Google reviews and IMDb and stuff like that. So (laughs) it's really bad, just so you know, if you haven't seen it. So let's get into their IMDb trivia. Sean Ashmore, who plays Brad, went to military school for three months and took vocal lessons to prepare for his role as cadet major. Hilary Duff, her character Kelly, was supposed to be 13 in the movie. Jennifer was 16 and Brad was 16. But actually, Hilary was... Hilary Duff was 15 at the time. Christy Carlson Romano was 18. And Sean Ashmore was 23. This was Hilary Duff's second Disney gig, her first being The Lizzie McGuire Show. This was also Christy Carlson Romano's second Disney gig, her first being the Even Stevens series. And then she went on to do Kim Possible. And then finally, this was the first Disney Channel original movie to air on the wonderful world of Disney on ABC in the U.S. and CBC in Canada. For our astrology trivia, Hilary Duff is a Libra. Of course, you knew that. She's such a Libra. A Libra rabbit. Christy Carlson Romano is a Pisces rat. And Sean Ashmore is a Libra goat. All right, if you haven't seen Cadet Kelly and you don't want spoilers, pause this now and come back. We're pretending it's 2002. We're at home. We put up an away message on Instant Messenger. We're cracking open some blue Pepsi and we're watching Cadet Kelly. Kelly's day starts with ribbon twirling class at her liberal arts middle school in sunny New York City. She tried her best to dress punk today, even though she is the least punk person I've ever seen. Some 50-year-old kid who I guess has failed quite a few times is turning their ribbon dance into a watercolor masterpiece. Kelly sees her father scaling a fucking skyscraper to prove how important his photography career is to him. Perhaps a hefty dollop of foreshadowing. He falls and surprisingly gets back up no problem, though. Kelly giggles. Same dad, different day. Hey, Spaz, have you come to say goodbye before your big trip? Her dad, Gilbert, confirms... He's preparing for an excursion to Africa, and he rattles off the names of the countries he'll be visiting in the most racist way possible. Her dad tries to flag down a taxi and is denied, so Kelly steps up. But before she can even yell taxi, millions of cars come to screeching halts in the streets, honking and hollering at her, which is pretty unsettling because she's 13, for fuck's sake. Mom is at home hammering out a deal with the school to lower Kelly's tuition because she hasn't learned shit. Kelly is hyper and zooted from all the Capri Sun she received at school. She grips her dad's VHS recorder shakily. It is obvious the sugar is at the wheel here. Kelly's jumping up and down, side to side, coming dangerously close to family heirlooms and other breakable shit. Kelly's like a cat in a duffel bag. She sees a goldfish bowl and loses her shit. She decides to punt it like a football. 
forgetting that it's glass and there are live animals in it. She's lost her fucking mind. She shatters the VHS recorder and punts those poor fish. Glass shards, fish parts, and blood spray everywhere. Her parents are horrified. Kelly's mother and father deliberate for hours. She used to be such a good kid, but she's got some very violent tendencies. Ultimately, they decide to do what most parents do when they don't know how to handle their kids. They'll be sending her to military school. But before they can break the news, there's a knock at the door. It's Kelly's mom's lover. They barely let out a greeting as they tear each other's clothes off. They kiss and moan all over each other, forgetting their surroundings. Kelly's astonished her mother would cheat on her father so openly. He's in the other room for crying out loud. So Kelly thinks with her fist and decks him. She breaks his nose and a few teeth with her left hook. Kelly's mom is once again horrified. Kelly finally comes down off of her spell of rage and begins to apologize to her mother's lover. But she realizes she doesn't even know his name. You got a name? Or do I just call you sir? Jimbo, still terrified of Kelly, nods slowly. You can call me whatever, ma'am, as long as you don't hit me again. Kelly laughs her face off and all too happily obliges. I'll just call you sir. She then informs sir that he must slouch in his chair when he eats in front of her, or he'll be ejected from his seat into the ozone. Later that night, mom carefully straps Kelly into a straitjacket. We're sending you to military school, Kelly, and I think you know why. Kelly blinks and twitches uncontrollably. We don't know where all these rage issues are coming from, but we're pretty sure the military could use your mad skills. I should also let you know I'm leaving your father because he's actually super racist. Kelly agrees and begins to drift off to sleep. She dreams of violence. Kelly arrives at her new military school and is immediately handed a rifle. She gazes at the gun and lets its power fill her hands and her arms, her chest, until she's up to her eyeballs in power. She's never held a gun before, and yet she handles it masterfully. Little Annie Oakley shoots and scores. She obliterates a nearby kid that nobody liked. The campus goes absolutely apeshit. Kelly is carried like a queen into the girls' dorm, but inside, the mood is somber. A cadet ushers everyone to create a human circle to share the exposition. Jennifer is our commander this year. You all know what to do. The cadets pull out their cyanide capsules. Death would be better than dealing with this bitch. Just before the kids fulfill their suicide pact, the courageous Carla steps forward. Kelly notices her three purple hearts. We are stronger together. And besides, this time, we have Kelly. Carla slaps Kelly's back and winks. She embodies bravery. A sweet lesbian lookout scream whispers, She's coming! And the kids scramble into the attention position as Jennifer makes her approach. Jen smells fresh meat and advances upon Kelly, her red eyes bulging. Nice skank clothes. Where'd you get them, the skank outlet? Kelly is unafraid and glares right back. At least I don't smell like up dog. Jennifer sneers and bellows. 10,000 push-ups for everyone. 
the kid soldiers are awoken by the loudest trumpet solo ever at 0600 sharp. Kelly is looking forward to today's target practice, but fiddlesticks! It's Jennifer! She's not over that updog joke from yesterday, and she storms up to Kelly. But Carla, the brave, stops her in her tracks. Not on my watch, pal. Jennifer snarls and retreats. Kelly and Carla bow in each other's greatness. They lift their flaming arrows and strike the eternal flame in unison. They're handed champagne flutes and they drink until the morn. As the sun rises upon the tanks, the girls' dorm is abuzz with talks of the ballistic missile ball. Finally, a taste of normalcy for Kelly. Kelly wasn't quite sure if a life of violence was for her, even though she was a natural. As the girls spin around in their tool and chiffon, Carla is cocooned up in her bottom bunk. Where's your dress, Carla? Kelly asks. Oh, I had the sickest dress you'd have ever seen. But that heinous witch Jennifer stole it. Kelly braces herself for a stroke. How could Jennifer do such a thing to the sweetest, most badass cadet in the nation? It was un-American. Kelly's ready to absolutely obliterate Jennifer, but she pulls herself together. In order to be eligible to attend the ballistic missile ball, the kids have to do a barbed wire dog shit slip and slide. Because in order to serve in the military, you have to be willing to do whatever, apparently. Kelly's not at all interested in this aspect of war. She doesn't want to get her pink camo dirty. But she knows she won't be able to show off her sick-ass ribbon-dancing skills at that dance if she doesn't. She's already so far behind. Most of the cadets are back in their dormitories, all showered and doused in curve, ready to party balls. Kelly Hall's asked to finish the obstacle course as a thunderstorm rolls in. Lightning strikes nearby posts and radio towers. Oh, fuck this shit. Kelly sprints across the lawn. She's covered head to toe in wet dog shit. But oh no, she's out in the middle of a fucking field during a thunderstorm. She could get struck by... Oh, shit! Oh my god, she got struck by lightning! That is not good! She's probably dead! Holy fuck! Is she... Uh, she is alive! Oh! She's alive! She's pulsating with lightning! She's transformed into Thor's daughter or something! Kelly takes flight and crashes through the gym windows. The children scream as glass and rain splashes into the crowd. Kelly begins to scan the dance floor for her nemesis. There you are, Jennifer. This is for Carla! Kelly teleports the wet dog shit pile upon Jennifer. She absolutely drowns her in a supermassive heap of shit. But oh god, just then two glowing red orbs shoot open in the pile. Jennifer can manipulate matter. With a wave of her hand, she vaporizes the entire dance floor of children. Jesus! I've never seen something so terrifying. Kelly, not yet familiar with the limitations of her new powers, gets the heck out of Dodge. There are funeral proceedings the next day for the lives lost, and it's clear that Jennifer is some sort of secret military asset that won't be held accountable by any federal entity for her crimes, which is something the United States is pretty known for, actually. Kelly takes a seat next to Carla, and they crack open some IPAs. Hey, Carla, remember that stuff you said about being stronger together? Feels like a hundred years ago, but yeah, Carla mumbles. Well, how the fudge are we supposed to destroy Jennifer if she can vaporize us? 
Carla is lost for a moment in a sea of PTSD. She takes a big swig. I don't know, Kelly. I don't know. Kelly is called to the principal's office and is thrilled to see that Sir is the commander of the school. Surely he'll have her back. No. No. Sir sentences Kelly to joining the gun-twirling team. Not only that, but she's on the same doggone team as Jennifer. Let's hope she doesn't murder the gun-twirling team, too. The gun-twirling practice commences. Each cadet stomps, claps, and trots around, saluting each other in unison. These kids really know their stuff. Kelly decides she should have a go at this routine. Maybe she can bring some New York City flair to their boring-ass routine. But she makes a mockery of it. <laughs> she rides the gun around like it's a broom. She plays it like a guitar. She pretends to blow her own brains out. She starts tap dancing with that shit. It is bad. Everyone who witnesses this compares it to burning the fucking flag. Part of Kelly's initiation on the team is to have a breakdancing throwdown with Jennifer. The infamous battle of good versus evil. But who is good and who is evil? They've both been so cruel to each other. Perhaps this is our lesson of the movie. <laughs> we are all evil, and we're all more powerful together. And so Jennifer and Kelly unite as one evil force to permeate throughout the universe. Kelly's ribbon-dancing friend Amanda is in town to see the gun-twirling national championship. Kelly's tampon nearly shoots out of her ass as they greet each other with a series of high-pitched screams. Kelly feels torn as her phone blasts Perfect Day by Hoku. It's her father's ringtone. He never calls her. This can't be good. Kelly will have to choose between her dad, Sir, and her new evil alliances. Sir traces her dad's call. Oh, fuck. He's at the bottom of a military gorge. Kelly and Sir rush to her old dad's location. They look down and, oh, God, is he dead? Oh, God, that's a lot of blood. Holy shit, he must have fallen like 500 feet down. He's such a fucking idiot. Kelly now uses her propelling skills to propel down. Her father is quite surprisingly alive. Oh, Kelly, thank God you're here. I was trying to get a picture and I... Shh, please, just shut up. I'm actually really mad at you right now. Okay, I'm... I'm sorry. Shh. Shut the fuck up. Kelly returns with her father and her new father to the championship. She shablams and does a death drop and cartwheels and the crowd goes absolutely bananas. Kelly, Carla, and Jennifer are promoted to the highest ranking commander position in the army, and they now command the entire child branch of the military. All right. <laughs> this week, we're listening to My Chemical Romance's second album, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, which was released on June 8th, 2004. There are 13 tracks, which are Helena, Give Em Hell Kid, To The End, You Know What They Do, Two Guys Like Us in Prison, I'm Not Okay, I Promise, The Ghost of You, The Jet Set Life is Gonna Kill You, Interlude, Thank You for the Venom, Hang em High, It's Not a Fashion Statement, It's a Death Wish, <laughs> Cemetery Drive, and I Never Told You What I Do for a Living. 
I fucking love this album. I listen to it regularly. Uh, it is superb and timeless to me. I feel like a lot of people might think that it's really emo and it's, or maybe not. I mean, maybe this is a well-known spectacular album, but I, I just think it's underrated. Even if, even if people love it as much as I love it, it, it deserves all the praise. I think it's a really fucking good album. I was, uh, I wanted to share this about the song and the music video, Helena. I didn't know if you knew this, but apparently the song was in general inspired by, um, Gerard and Mikey Way's late grandmother. Um, and apparently they emailed fans and asked them if they wanted to be in the video. And a lot of the extras who are, this is the video with the, the funeral and the, the girl in the casket getting out and dancing and stuff. Apparently a lot of the extras are fans that they asked to be in the video. I thought that was cool. So let's do like a where are they now kind of thing with Gerard Way. If you did not know, he is, let's see. He's been curating and creating some very cool comics in the last few years. He's one of the creators of the Umbrella Academy comic um, that is by Dark Horse Comics. He's the curator for Young Animal, which is a DC um, comic book branch. Um, they did remakes of Shade, Doom Patrol. They did a newer series that came out in 2018 called Eternity Girl. That was a bummer. It only had a few issues. It was about a su suicidal immortal girl. <laughs> it was a very interesting comic, and I liked it a lot. It was really dark, obviously, but it was good. Um, but yeah, everything Gerard Way does in comics has been wonderful to see. You can tell he has like a huge appreciation for it and an, and an affinity for it. Like He's really good. The new Doom Patrol series that they did is just fucking incredible if you like doom patrol and you haven't read the young animal version of it like it it'll knock your socks off for sure so and it's it's cool to see people that you know only as for example him as being this lead singer of a band but he literally has done such a good job as a, a curator and creator of comics in the last few years it's super impressive really happy for him yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> uh, I know that you're, if you want an astrology fact about him, he's an Aries snake. Yeah. So if you like this episode, feel free to give me a shout. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My Twitter is 2000s called pod. Instagram is the 2000s called pod. Hope you have a great week. Sending you love and hugs and nostalgia. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye.